I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, this is Josh and the homebrew hombres, Liam Malone, Max Wessel, and Doug Banks. Hey! We make RPG from scratch. It's a podcast about making and playing your own tabletop role-playing games. So come listen to us work on the Scratch Dice system, an alternative to D&D and Pathfinder, and listen to our first campaign, Echoes of the Star Crypt. At nerdyshow.com and on your favorite podcast app. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. It contains content that might not be suitable for all ages. So, listener discretion is advised. All Nerdy Show podcasts are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Discover the many ways you can join in at nerdyshow.com. Oh, God! Fireballs! Lightning bolts! Knights of the Round! Cogamel's gonads. Why on earth did I set an alarm? Oh, right. It's time to put out the D&D Q&A. Just a few months long siesta deep in restorative wizard sleep. So long, 2017 and hello, 2019? That's not right. Uh, Siri, um, what year is it? It's 2019. Shitting succubi, I've overslept! Damn, 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 damn it, damn it, farts! This was supposed to be an early 2018 release, so... Uh, maybe they haven't noticed. <laughs> oh. 136 messages. Mm. You really blown it this time, Galdap. You blow it! I, I, I know. I'll use my arcane wizardy ways to reverse time. Stars realign. Space recoilless. Turn back the clock and... What? Out of MP? But I just rested. Oh, dash it all. I used every drop smashing that clock. Farts and tarnations. I guess I'll just have to put it out. 2019. Good God, Scout App. I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, spin it like we've been saving it. We're just saving it for the, the 10th anniversary. That's perfect. Yo, Scout App, you're such a smart cookie. <clears throat> Greetings and salutations. I am the wizard Galap, a being of unlimited cosmic power. It has been ten years, an entire decade, since the crew of Dungeons and Doritos first embarked on their initial quest in Doritodonia. Like the great white balloon that saunters into the corner of the sky every night, 
These corn chip crusaders have come and gone. Their tales intermittent in release, but their hunger for adventure remains unsated, and their legend echoes out like a mighty crunch, continuing to delight the masses with many a salty adventure. Dungeons and Doritos has been on hiatus since the Midgardian year of 2017, when an unfortunate event put a halt to the series' shenanigans. Since then, all has gone quiet, save for the promise that the show would one day return. And this, the second D&D Q&A, in which fans and cast members converse through questions. This special event was recorded in October 2017, and its release over a year later, in early 2019, is 100% intentional, I assure you. However, keep that in mind, as dates and years are discussed. And just like your old pal Galdap, these conversations are now displaced from time. Who knows what's happened to the cast and crew since this discussion transpired? Anything is possible. But enough preamble. It is now my esteemed pleasure to part the curtains and reveal unto you the Dungeons and Doritos Q&A 2! Welcome to the Dungeons & Doritos Q&A 2. Our fantastic fans have asked us questions, and we're here to answer them. Hi, I'm Cap, and on a good day, I play the sensual and scaled spellcaster, Jamel Adele Egbert III. Hi, I'm Colin, and I play the werewolf rogue guy, uh, <laughs> Bartholomew Elfgar Gleeman. Hi, I'm Lefty Lucy, and I play the pirate queen, Lefty. <laughs> The last D&D Q&A we did was in October 2014. It's been three years. Whoa. <laughs> Time flies when you're eating Doritos. <laughs> the last Q&A we did was three years ago? Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Wow. How long has, has D&D been? Here's my first question on, on the Q&A cap. <laughs> how, long, how long has uh, D&D been running? Since 2009. So, what, eight years? Wow. Isn't that eight ridiculous? Years, eight, eight years with, like different cast members and eight years with probably like some smattered hiatuses mixed in there but yeah that's that's a lot of time yeah <laughs> and in that time i mean our characters have gone through like a lot and like a lot since our last q a is really what i mean Ugh. you know like yes um, yeah. and our real live midgard selves you know as well yep <laughs> so it is way 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 past due for us checking in and just for some context when the last q a happened that was just before these boots are made for swapping the body swap episode. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh wow. That was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I need to re-listen to all of these. Yeah. I'm yeah. like screw finding a new TV show. I'm just going to start listening to 
Dungeons and Doritos from the beginning again. There you go. Awesome. I want to, I want all the notes that you come up with from like, oh, wow, I remember that thing we forgot about. Um, with my stoner to. ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, when did we do that? How did I kill that guy? Awesome. That's awesome. My, my favorite thing to listen to is the progression of Galdap. And like how his his voice continuously changes. It's very ever fluid and ever changing. I felt like um, he, he's hit a status quo. Just like the nine realms. Oh yes, very much, very much. Oh, but early early on, every episode it was. I mean, there was one that one episode with Galdap the Intrepid, who was basically yep. the stranger from Big Lebowski. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. But even just Galdap himself, <laughs> you've kind of settled on the voice nowish, but. <laughs> It has taken you eight years to find him. <laughs> well, I mean, you said progression. I would say degression of Galdap. <laughs> <laughs> Only of his mind. Yes. As for you fine listeners out there, as I'm sure you're all plainly aware, our last episode came out in August 2017. The entire show is on hiatus while our Game Master Rule cares for an ailing family member. And we don't know how long it's going to be before we can resume recording again. But before we go any further, we want to open right off the top with a very important question from Dizdon Bates. What are you planning to do with the massive horde of Doritos you have? Is there any process for eating them so they don't spoil if the hiatus is longer than the expirations? Mm. Well. Excellent well. question. Yeah. Dizdon, this entire episode is your answer. <laughs> <laughs> that was pro- I think you just you were just like... Hey, we have so many Doritos. We need to do at least something. Hey, let's do a Q&A. And we were yes. like, okay. Yeah. I mean, because, like, seriously, we've spent money. We've spent, like, nerdy show Patreon money on these Doritos. I'm not letting these spoil. That's not okay. And right. so, yeah, there's there's quite the horde. There's only three of us. I'm the only one in the nerdy show studio. So I'm going to be eating for, like, Man. four tonight. Um, <laughs> we have a sizable stash of succulent chips. So let's dig in. But what first? That's the real question. I guess we'll start with some things that have come out recently. Doritos Heat Wave. Allegedly, this is, it's an actual like kind of experience. First, you get a flavor, and then the heat hits you. That's what the bag advertises, and people have told me that that is, in fact, what it does. It says, two experiences in one chip. And they release two flavors at the same time, barbecue and chipotle cream. I'm intrigued. I feel that they taste good together, but I suppose we should taste them separately first. Yeah, that's probably that's probably wise. I'm interested in Chipotle cream because it's probably the same formula as Chipotle crema from the Sabritas Latin Doritos, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and those were quite good. All right, so ch- Chipotle first? Yeah. Okay. All right. The expiration on these say July, but I don't know if it's this year or next year. It's still we're good. about to find out. <laughs> Three, two, one. No, it's still good. The flavor... It's Chipotle-ish, yeah. They just taste like Doritos. Yeah, like... They're like Dorito-flavored. A little spicier Dorito flavor. It's better than nacho. I mean, it is better than nacho, but it's not too dissimilar from nacho. I don't think it's the flavor that we had before. Do you know what it tastes like? It tastes like Chipotle the place. (laughs) Like, not necessarily Chipotle the flavor, but Chipotle the place. You know what's, what's awesome about this? The heat is sufficient and good. It's very it mild. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, Hex would hate these. I was thinking Hex might mildly stand these. Oh, no. I think you overestimate his fortitude. <laughs> He's a fortitude of zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You want to switch up no, to barbecue? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Let's 
Let's crack it open. Guys, this is my lunch. <laughs> oh, they smell good. They do smell Ooh, good. They, they smell do have great. A nice, nice smoky flavor. Mm. A little like a sweet, sweet. It's like craft barbecue sauce. Yeah, or Re- sweet baby rays. If you ever had yeah. that. Yeah, it's like sweet baby rays. Yeah. Crunch it. Oh, this is the winner. This is it right here. And sweet- you know what? I want to order a shrimp po' boy and have these with them. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I just want a line of these inside of it. Mm. Oh man, it would be so amazing. Mm. And and Colin, Sweet Baby Ray's is still right in the money. That's exactly what it tastes like. Still. Yep. Yep. Ooh, the heat is nice. These are nice. They're not mm-hmm. skimping. These aren't like American. Like, oh, we can't meh, heat. Like they're solid. No, they're warm. I would equate the heat to like even higher than like maybe like the fire sauce from Taco Bell. That's a big step for Doritos. In America, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. On, on on like a general chip that you can buy from the store. Yeah, you don't have to hunt for it. It's in. Mm -hmm. You can get it in a grocery store without any problem. There's a final part to Dizdon's question: Will you need to restock the hoard when you come back? Oh yeah, we are. Yeah, it's gonna be awful. Awesome. Awful. Awfully great. Well, I mean, the process of ignoring Doritos as they come out while we're not recording because we can't responsibly Mm. buy those. And I know for a fact that the next chip we're gonna have is a limited edition pop and jalapeno, mostly sold at Walmart's. I think. And try that. Yeah. Man, you just like it's the heat. It's the day of the heat. It is the day yeah, of the I heat. Yeah, you need to go get more water. This uh, <laughs> it was replaced as a limited time Dorito just this month by the return, the long-awaited, like five-year-long return of Wasabi Doritos. Wait, what? Yeah, Wasabi Doritos are back. They're at Walmart. You're not gonna find Pop and Jalapeno anymore. Maybe the last, the last shipment of them. Gosh. You're gonna find Wasabi. Can you get them anywhere but Walmart? I don't think so. I've opened, <laughs> I've opened this bag of Pop and Jalapeno. You Let's guys ready to roll? All right. They, oh, Look yeah, man. How orange they are. They are very orange. They're orange for for a chip that is not an orange flavor. All right, here we go. Mm. Heck yeah. Yeah, it's nice. The heat waves were different for me though in terms of taste i feel like i've tasted this before yeah and actually you know what my initial heck yeah was because i always really enjoy when they manage to capture that vegetable flavor in a chip but the Mm -hmm. reality is is that that's the front end the back end and the middle have nothing going on the heat wave outclassed this completely there's fire on the bag but there's no actual fire in this chip yeah there's no heat it's legitimately jalapeno flavored but not anything else like, you know, you take the ribbing and the seeds out of the pepper and it takes all the heat out of it. And so you just have the pepper itself, mm-hmm. just the flesh of the pepper. And that's what this tastes like. The difference between this and standard Doritos spicy nacho flavor is basically a hint of vegetable. Mm-hmm. It very much tastes like a vegetable. It's amazing that they make corn taste like other vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's next? Next, we're going to Japan, folks. Woo! Woo! I love going to Japan with Doritos. Royal beef and pepper Doritos. The beef and pepper are not royal. The chip is royal. This is the Doritos from Japan inviting you to have a bigger, bolder, thicker experience. Oh. Well, I... See that up on the top? I I think this is the Doritos Jacked of Japan. They didn't call it Jacked because that doesn't make sense over there. These chips are are smoky brown, kind of. They've got a... Bigger, They they look like they've been grilled. Oh, yeah. They have a nice heft to them, a good weight. Smell nice. All right. All right, let's do it. Okay. Oh, you already have it in your mouth. Here we go. Three, two, one. Mm. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. They are artists in Japan. Oh, my God. 
Holy shit. Sitting in my oh. mouth, it was like there was a steak sitting in my mouth. The flavor was so bloody. Yeah, my brain doesn't understand how to process what's happening right now. It's a beautifully seared Dorito steak with, seasoned with pepper. And it's just perfectly aged. Oh, it's love. like eating a crunchy steak. It really is. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like a flame grilled steak. Like it's definitely got some like that smoky steak mm. flavor. Mm. You got some of the char in there. Like there's some good sear mm. in um, mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. I got a, I got one that was like very intensely peppered. My God. Kinda has like a jerky flavor-ish. You know? Mm-hmm. Man. Gosh. Japan. You guys got it going on with your Doritos. Yeah, nailed it. Oh, they got it going like, on. Whatever they say on the bag is going to taste exactly like it and be delicious. Mm-hmm. We've had maybe two flavors that were disappointing, but never because they were not like, well, the avocado one kind of sucked. But mm-hmm. I have another Dorito from Japan, and... You son of a bitch. I could, o- I could only order two of them. Yeah. They were the last... The ones left out. They left were, out. These were the last two left being distributed to America. I bought everything the store had. What? Uh, yeah. Leslie, why don't you tell us what uh, what you have in your hand right now? Oh, my God. I just pulled out of this box Eggs Benedict. No, thank you. Thank <laughs> so you, you don't even you want it. You're right. You made the it's right gonna choice. It's going to taste really good with the beef, I think. I think so, too. Know it, knowing each other for 30 years, you made the right choice. See? There you go. Trust in me. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. This is the wildest thing I've... I, I need to take a picture of the pristine bag before you destroy it. Now, we usually yeah. record these episodes really early, which is why Lefty's often talking about coffee and breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> True. And we've talked about what about breakfast Doritos for such a long time now. Oh, you're yes, 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 we have. What's a bit of a violation about this is these are Doritos, but they're not Doritos. These are 100% Doritos in content and, and they're Frito-Lay. But in Japan, they are testing right now branding that is not Doritos for these corn chips. These are just labeled tortilla chips, Frito-Lay tortilla chips. But they also don't have necessarily have limited times on them because these, which I think are going to be smaller chips, like the, sm- like the smaller triangles from Japan, have other flavors that we've had as Doritos being released as, quote, tortilla chips over there. Interesting. Oh. Maybe they're, like, trying to get away from the brand of Doritos. Maybe that... Doritos is not necessarily considered a healthy snack, but tortilla chips has more of a healthful ring. And, and I bet it has to do with money and marketing. And this bag has a picture of lettuce on it. I'm really, I'm fascinated. Give me a real size chip. Oh, it smells peculiar. It smells. <laughs> <laughs> We've never done D&D with like cameras on, and I think that we need to in the future change this because lefty's expressions are <laughs> the best the best thank you <laughs> what does it smell like what does it smell like yesterday's eggs oh it smells like ham Ooh. Huh. okay well, now she's excited i am it is a bit hammy yeah i'm a bit hammy <laughs> Yo. waka waka all right eggs benedict tortilla chips do it. <laughs> you have a very confused, concerned. Oh, oh, she's waving her hands in the no, no, no. There's lots of no shaking. No good. Oh, oh the spit out. <laughs> oh, no. I did not want to swallow that. 
Mm. I've been eating them. They're not good, but I've been eating them. I mean, they're fine. They're fine, but... <laughs> they're not good, but I've been eating them. <laughs> um, so the breakfast Dorito experiment so far, F+. Plus. <laughs> it's not for me. Here's the thing. <laughs> I want to taste another one to place why it's terrible. It's a very salty Dorito. There's a ham to it. There's a hamminess to it, which is mostly in the salt. And then there's a cream to it for the hollandaise, I guess, and an egg. And the egg is the part that I think they haven't figured out because it's it's fine, but it leans on the sulfuric qualities of an egg taste. Oh, like an old, so it tastes like an old egg. It's kind of, this tastes far more deviled than an Eggs Benedict. And the de- deviled eggs, uh, I think there's some quantity of vinegar involved maybe, like sometimes, like which there's, they're kind of sour. And this has a sourness to it that is not indicative of Eggs Benedict. I feel like the they, hollandaise they, sauce isn't quite right either. Man, I went back to this barbecue heat. Yeah, where's that steak? It's really good. I think the winners of the evening are the barbecue heat, but I mean, like the crown jewels, the beef and pepper. It's almost, mm. it's almost as good, Cap, as oh, the Miracle Spice. Miracle Spice. <sighs> yeah, I, I would rank this up right behind it. Royal mm. beef and pepper. Can't say I blame you, man. It's good. Up until having the royal beef and pepper, my number one Doritos experience was when we made burgers. And these are so good, you don't even need to make a burger with them. No. It would, would be magnificent. Oh, yeah. All right, Cap. <laughs> Let's do it. What do we have? What are the questions? Okay. Scott, John Harrison has a few questions for us. Uh, first sure. off, how much character planning is there before the sessions? Like from us as individuals. Uh, my enunciation is not fantastic, so I'd have to do like maybe 10, 15 minutes of like mouth stuff. Wow. But- you're, you're clearly from the theater. All, the only warm-up I need is eating Doritos, you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah, man. My amount of prep is directly proportionate to how busy I am doing everything else. Often recording D&D is like a drop of water on the desert of a social life. <laughs> so I don't often get prepared. There was a brief period. It was probably when my character was the most interesting that I was like really paying attention to what was going on and, you know, had time to like brush up on episodes before we'd record so I'd remember what had happened but life has been lifey yeah I mean but it does actually vary from from episode to episode because sometimes we'll, we'll end a session and we'll be like okay so we've we've backed ourselves into a corner now how are we getting out of this I mean like for example when, when we thought our characters were dead yeah yep pretty recently we weren't really making pre-show plans exactly but we didn't know what was going to happen really to answer your question Scott I think it's more along the lines of I, there might be some story planning or some story tweaking but not necessarily character planning because i think a lot of it is living in the moment or at least trying to and trying to honor the character as you play it at least but in terms of the overall story i mean that's mostly cap and rule and even then i there's some things where like i know stuff because i'll have an idea and i'll think it's pretty good so i'll nudge rule in that direction and see what happens every now and then there's something i'm keeping under my hat but i too you know i don't want to violate the kinetic method of you know how we've built Dungeons and Doritos throughout the years, so I don't want to know much. So I'll tell rule things, and I'll be like, "All right, so I'm gonna give, just going to give you this information. Don't tell me what you're doing with it, but here's some here's some things, and yeah, and then I'll step back." And I think the one the thing that maybe most pertains to this is Barty turning into a werewolf. Oh yeah, oh man, that was a well, hel- we didn't, many discussions. We didn't which know the you can hell that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we have a bunch of discussions that were recorded. They've all been released as Patreon perks about like us being like, "All right, so what the fuck do we do now?" Yeah, because I completely derailed the entire 
campaign. Like, because we were going to be in that city and take care of that city. Yeah, well, actually, one of Scott's questions is, what was some of the Doritadin stuff, which isn't being reused later, that we can reveal? And we don't know much of it because we don't, you know, rule doesn't tell us things. But what he did tell us, as Colin just implied there, was... He, what I guess he, the way he pitched it was, he's like, I got a great campaign, guys. He was very vague about it. He didn't tell us what he'd done. He's like, I've got an arena for you. I've made this, like, I've made a space where you can just, like, have all kinds of whatever sort of adventures you want. And it can just, we could, you could be there as, as short or as long as, as feels right for whatever we're doing. And it can be pretty episodic, so we don't have to worry too much about, you know, continuity. We can just do it, and it won't be overly complicated. It got overly complicated real fucking fast. <laughs> yeah, it was like the second or third recording in that arena. Man, that was that was some crazy stuff. I think to read it in, I think eventually, maybe if we were ever to come back online, if the show ever comes back, which I would like it to. Um, I mean, as far we I, as far as we, our intention is that it will. We just have no idea yeah. when, and that's the hardest part. Right. I think we're gonna go back to to read it in. I think like that's the ultimate because Barty's got to go find the wolf that sired him, and you gotta take care of man we, yeah so much <laughs> it's it's a boss battle like one thing yeah. I, can, I can tell you is that like the way we've been looking at it is we don't have the books planned out like the books which we call like the seasons that we call books we don't have them planned out at all and rule doesn't really either he'll have some kind of vague ideas and they change or he'll like he'll set something up and then totally forget why he did it the way he did it and then t- turns into something else D- dungeons and doritos is, is just wild like that but what we all kind of agreeing on is that book three, whenever it ends, it's going to end in Doritadin. We just don't know how. <laughs> yeah. On the, on the topic of plans, Scott also wants to know, were there any plans made for Chair and uh, Darren Kobe, Mike's character from Pokeballs, before he died? Well, Pokemon had more of a, like, Hex had some more ideas about Pokemon than there were for Chair. Although, I mean, there was the world the world enders scenario, but other than that. I mean, we don't really, we don't. We don't even really know what that means. I'm not even sure Rule knows what that means because it changed. Yeah. You know, I mean, we were we were always the world enders, but like the, the the scope of it changed because we wrote the the whole chair being the god of innocence. That was all post death stuff. Yeah. As far as plans for him and him being a part of the world world enders in that vague sense, I don't think there was anything. Uh, the plans were mostly to do with the backstory and that that Mike was writing the comic books. And that we'd elaborate, and I don't know how much he was actually willing to elaborate on Chair's origins and the wizard who was responsible for him and and how that was all going to play out. Yeah, and I think also, too, you know, he was always, Rule was always planning on going back to y'all's hometowns. Going to the cabin, Chair's cabin, ended up being a a sad moment in the show versus it being something similar to what would happen in when we went to the steam tunnels for Jamala or, you know, to the Kabaki tribe and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, they totally would have just been, been a weird episode instead of being like the saddest thing. And I'm, I'm still writing the comics. We'll talk more about the comics later. And that's a whole very complicated thing. But as for Darren from Pokeballs, we're still trying to get more Pokeballs recorded. We had a bunch of like dates that were postponed all throughout this entire year. Uh, Trench, our community manager took over for Hex as game master of that. Hex didn't actually have much more in his files for what was happening with Pokeballs. So when Mike, as Darren, ran off ahead of the team, like that was that. And him getting kidnapped because Mike couldn't make it to a recording, it just it all it just worked out <laughs> in a weird way. So yeah, no long standing plans there or anything like that that got swept under the rug. We do have one question, one more question from Scott, and that is specifically for Barty in character. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Barty, which of the party smells the best and the worst? <laughs> well, in terms of the whole party, I would say that Chair always smelled the worst. 
And then I would I, I would put Jamala second. She thinks that she smells great. You but, uh, fiend. I, well, you know, she she's a great snout, but she doesn't, uh, you know, she doesn't molt as often as she needs to. And uh, I think that that dead skin kind of rots on her skin. Your nose is garbage and filled with filth, body gleeman. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, tell like I see it, Jamala. I'm sweet as a glow fungi. I Good. like her smell. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you it's would. Damp and comforting. That's right. <laughs> damp see, and she, comforting. She even she even says it's damp. Why wouldn't it be damp? Well, I mean, that moisture is good, Barty. Well, I mean, Lefty smells the best out of everybody. I mean, Vmac taking a uh, I mean, he would be above chair and Jamala, but uh he's got that smell of the wind about him, the open road. That dusty dirt smell, but Jamala has got that funk, that musky funk. You're a musky funk. And I don't f- think she's musky. I think you're muskier than she is. Yeah. Well, I, we didn't ask how I smelled. I, he asked me. Scott asked me how everybody else smelled. I smelled like roses and sunshine and joy and, a, and, and like dog now. A little dog. Just a little, little dog mixed yeah, in. Yeah, no, a lot of dog body. You can't, you can't smell yourself. We've commented in the past about your, your canine sense. Yeah, you smell like a, a wet dog in perpetuity. Listen, I have the best uh, the best sniffer out of all of y'all. I'm a, I'm a half puppy. Blah, 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 blah. Blah. <laughs> eat a fart. You can smell that, huh? When you eat a fart? Because you love eating farts. Anyway, next question. There's a question we get asked a lot, and uh, it got asked twice in the in the call for questions for the show. Uh, Jamieson Lalone asks, "Will we ever see the B team again?" And uh, Dizdon Bates says, "With VMAC having left the party and now possibly leaving Bogo, is there any chance for any surviving members of the B team to rejoin the party, or did they all die off after you left them?" <laughs> so with that, I am thrilled to invite back to Dungeons and Doritos Ruby Darling, aka Relatrix. Hello, everyone. What? I didn't, Ruby. I didn't even know that you got on the... the that's crazy. That's like witchcraft. I didn't even see you get on the... <laughs> Surprise! So sneaky, because I'm you, a rogue. <laughs> you are. You are so sneaky. Yeah, you got to watch out. I, I don't know if you've been listening to the show, but I'm no longer fully rogue. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ruby, have you heard? Werewolf. Have you heard what happened to Barty? I haven't heard what happened to Barty. Yeah, I'm part werewolf now. You're fuck part werewolf. You're all werewolf, motherfucker. All werewolf. He's all werewolf part-time. That's right. I am all werewolf part-time. You know what? I'm going to use that. That's good. I'm all werewolf part-time. Like, only your lower half turned, and then you're like a merwolf. Like... I think that would make him an ancient god, though, and I'm not comfortable with Barty having that kind of power. Uh. I don't think anyone's comfortable with that. Hey, we've rolled with gods before. Chair was a god. That's That's, true. That's true. Chair was special. You're Barty. that is a sick burn (laughs) that's a third degree right there i'm gonna need to get some self (laughs) so ruby what have you been up to in my life or in in character life oh well we're gonna do both i've been performing and then i've just been working on developing content for my cosplay page well on this episode's page we'll link to whatever we can of that that exists at the time of this episode's publication (laughs) awesome how about relatrix last time we saw her and izzy we just saved the world and uh we're getting very drunk and then 
we parted ways, I guess. I think it goes without saying that we all know that Rillatrix and Izzy probably immediately got right back into trouble. Um, (laughs) There's always the point where, you know, you're like, yes, we've done the thing. We've saved the world. It's great. Let's all have a few beers. And then, you know, Izzy wanders off. Because she's easily distracted by shiny metal objects. And she's a dirty, stinky gnome. <laughs> of course, you know, Rilla's not going to let Izzy go off on her lonesome. Especially when there may or may not be treasure involved in whatever Izzy's going to wind up getting into. So I'm sure that some distraction or another is going to have led them into fantabulous adventures where I'm sure nothing went wrong at all. And definitely everything went exactly according to plan. Izzy actually paid me to say that. (laughs) (laughs) We've been actually trying to get you guys back on the show for a while, intermittently every so often, but scheduling is a bitch. And and now now that the show's show's on uh, indefinite hiatus, you know, maybe someday. (laughs) Maybe someday. Originally, the whole idea of book three, at least... Part two of book three was that we were going to have more episodic episodes mm-hmm. where we would run into characters, characters would leave and go away. I mean, it wouldn't have been a big deal if people were there or they weren't there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it we... wasn't about keeping a long arc that required all of the people because of that scheduling. That, that was the dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was the dream. But I am very excited to also welcome back to Dungeons and Doritos. Kyle Bunnell, a.k.a. Shinobi MC, a.k.a. Dean the Mighty. Mm. Woo! Hi, guys. Hi, Hi. Dean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the peeps. I'm back with my peeps. That's where I should be. Oh, my God. <laughs> Man, you know, it's like that, that saying, like, if you're important enough, people will wait for you. But, you know, <laughs> I was uh, cutting some chicken. And I was like, they'll message me on Facebook real quick. They'll let Is me that know. Is what the kids call it these days? I'm cutting some chicken, baby. You know what's up. <laughs> I don't even know what that would be a euphemism for. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here are four options. Yeah, we got, we got foul poultry puns that we could put in there. It could be like, I'm preparing to, to, to be a coward, cutting some chicken. I'm getting ready to flee from this situation, you know? <laughs> Maybe it's the opposite, cutting chicken. Like you're yeah. playing cowards as they run. That's right. Yeah, some Ramsey's Bolton shit up in here. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Jesus. Cutting some chicken like I'm cutting down with a comment, like a cut down. Old 90s uh, way to say that you were insulting somebody. Right, cutting right. Cutting down some chicken. Yeah, because if, a... if you said I'm cutting a turkey, the turkey is obviously a jive turkey. And therefore. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now we're going to the origin of slang like in the 70s now. <laughs> yeah. It never existed before the 70s. <laughs> Kyle, yes. Shinobi. Yes. How are you? What's up? What okay. you been up to? I fell into some trouble with the law. I don't know if that's public knowledge for the Nerdy Show cast or anyone else. Uh, it's but, not uh, something we've spoken about publicly. I've kind of like embraced it. It actually changed me a lot. You know, I spent some time in prison. I spent some time in jail. I saw both sides of what goes on and what's up and everything and learned how to survive there and how to... It's bas- Basically, if you're just a nice person... And you're trustworthy and you're good. If you're incarcerated, you don't really have anything to worry about other than getting some dumbass try to pull some game on you or run run some scheme by you and get you in trouble. But if you're good, you're good. So you guys have nothing to worry about because you're never going there. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, uh, well, all I want to talk about is uh, don't do dumb shit. Don't steal shit. You get caught. 
before 18, that's the tutorial phase, like in Skyrim, like <laughs> go around and, you, you know, in Skyrim, they give you a couple outs like, oh, yeah, you stole that chalice off the, the little bidet there. But, you know, whatever, I'll let you we'll let you slide. But then the guards come at you and they're like, pay the fine or go to jail. And you're like, oh, shit. I just wanted to say now I can't watch prison shows without being like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I watched Criminal Minds. One of the characters goes to prison and, like, yeah, they find out he's a fed and it's like, uh-oh, he's in trouble. And they're, like, trying to, like, work through the court system to get him put into solitary confinement for his own protection and the warden won't do it. I'm like, I've seen people go to the box for just, I need to go to the box. Okay. And they send him there. There's no... <laughs> There's nothing that they want it. They're like, okay, if, you, if you're if you afraid, then we'll put you there. Sure. And you go there and then whoever was mad at you forgets about you because you're there for a couple months. And then you come back and everyone's like, oh, so-and-so's back. Can you like say like, hey, let me out now. I'm, I'm good. Or <laughs> they decide. Yeah, no. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> nope. But a lot of the shit you see in prison shows is real, like um, Orange is the New Black and stuff like that. Like, those are actual pretty accurate portrayals of what's going on. But mm. there's a funny scene in that where this guy, he pulls a stunt and ends up in solitary. And he gets this massive fucking manila folder with a, a whole sheet of paper written on it. Like, I can get you anywhere, blah, blah, blah. I'm like telling my mom, I'm like, mom, they would have just sent him a kite. A kite would just be like a small little scrap of paper that you'd hand to the inmate that's responsible for bringing you food, he would just slide that in there. and It wouldn't be a whole fucking huge sheet of paper. You got to hold on to your paper in there. Come on now. <laughs> it's a commodity, man. Yeah. You got to make lists. Like when you uh, get cigarettes or whatever, you got to make a list of like who you owe money to and what they want from the commissary, which is money in prison. Like ramen, like little packs of ramen and Doritos. Oh, yeah, I ate some fucking Doritos in prison. Let me tell you what. <laughs> You crunch. What kind of Doritos do they have in prison? Oh, it's all about nacho cheesier. Nobody wants that cool ranch. And here's why. When you, when you got your ramen and you got your Doritos and you got a packet of mayonnaise or something else, now you're going to make goulash. So you make your ramen, you crunch up your Doritos and put them in there, stir that shit around with a little bit of mayonnaise, and then it's now you're eating like a king. You're like at your bunk, you're happy, you got your coffee, you got everything you need, just chilling, reading books. I read so many fucking fantasy books, man. That's where I kept my mind. I was just like, I wonder what these characters are doing in this adventure. <laughs> and there were people that wanted to play D&D. &D they, they're weird. Like, you're in prison already. There's weird people there. Just imagine the kind of weird criminal that would want to play D&D &D in prison. That's what you get. Wow. <laughs> I've heard plenty of stories about any kind of tabletop role-playing being used as rehabilitation in prison, but but never isolating the exact character types that it draws. So that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's quiet, nerdy guys or guys that are, you know, because you get to watch TV, you get to watch stuff. So there's the guys that are into the, the more fantasy or like supernatural shows that come on and stuff like that. And the guys that read fantasy books, there's actually a lot of like negative stigma left over from the 70s with Dungeons and Dragons. They kind of put it in that bracket as like satanic stuff. But the loophole there is you're allowed to have whatever fucking religion you want in prison. <laughs> so there's people that are like, I need my D&D books because I worship Satan. <laughs> wow. Straight up. This is my Bible. All right. Give me this shit. Wow. You can't like make maps because then they're like, what the fuck is this? Look in you know, search in your bunk. What is this? Looks like your dorm. No, that's a goblin cave. <laughs> 
good eye though. Yes, we we were drawing inspiration from from our our surroundings. So yeah, you're you're right. You know, there's a little bit of uh, life in there. <laughs> well, how about how about Dean? Saw... Oh, Dean! <laughs> Last time we saw oh, Dean, Dean, we we left we left Dean on Lefty's on galleon, and okay, yep. yeah, we never saw him again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dean, like, back fuck Shinobi. It's all about Dean now, okay? Dean quested, all right? Like, not in the sense of, like, I'm going to send my guy off to just do some generic-ass questing. He really had a quest for his own self. He reevaluated himself, especially after the fall of Doritodonia. He was like, oh, no, now, even now, is when mighty warriors need to assemble. So what he did was he actually found enough cell swords to sort of give them, like, missions and stuff and set them up into squads and really started to come into his own as a commander. Whoa. So now he's now he's into commanding troops. Like, he's not a party leader. No one can stand this motherfucker for very long or smell him. <laughs> but he does have a strategy for warfare, and he can see strengths and weaknesses, so he can put groups together. He just can't fucking lead them, or they're going to just defect. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's what he's been up to, and he did meet a half-elf named Claire that was a cook. In one of these like mercenary bands walk around, they have like camp followers and cooks and stuff like that and minstrels. And he actually tried to woo her, not in like a, a dorky, like flirtatious fashion. He was more like, oh, this might be the one right here because she's got some banging ass chicken that she makes, you know, like I'm down with this. <laughs> she cuts that chicken like nobody else, man. She's a, she cuts chicken. This girl cuts chicken all day. And her knife is sharp. She's sharp witted. She puts Dean in his place, tells him, like, oh, you're being dangerous, you're being dumb, and he's actually listening to her and stuff. So that's what he's going on romantically for Dean. Oh, my God. But as a character, he's really trying to uh, find his place. And, like, he's he's always been a warrior. He's always had that strength to fall upon. But he's never really been capable of leading his life effectively. Like, he just goes from thing to thing very sporadically and spontaneously. Wow. Dean, but, it's going to be remarkable when the party meets Dean again. He's going to be a whole new man. How you might. My boat? I don't know. Oh shit! <laughs> might have had to sell it, you know, for food for a little while, like on some hard times. It might, you know, maybe I got, maybe Dean got press ganged or something. I don't know. It's probably happy to be off the boat and not really considering where it's moored or who's on it or why it's there. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, hey, we're it's okay. We've got shovel guy now, so we don't. We got to. We have an okay boat. It's fine. We don't need that boat. It's all good. But <laughs> right. do we? Do we, though? Man, we were flying off on a flying ship. and uh, You're right. We don't know anything that's going to happen. We're, it's it's, we it's no pandemonium, idea. and it's awful, and we have no idea what's going to happen to poor Bogo. Right. <laughs> poor Bogo? Poor Bogo. I was doing that for him, man. I was doing that for him. I didn't want him to get hurt. Lefty was going to cut his ass down. <laughs> it's what I do. Yeah, see? Yep. I'm really good at that. The first thing I did when you met me was murdered my father. Like That's true. You're right. You did. I, I don't know what your expectations are at this point. <laughs> That's what that, there are. I, that, I, you are meeting my expectations. That's why I cut his rope. <laughs> That's why I cut that shit. <laughs> well, guys, it has been so awesome to talk with you again. I want to get back to gaming so bad. And yes, as soon as that's possible, you'll know because the fans want more. We want more. I've been wanting to have like a Relatrix, Izzy, Lefty, and Jamela episode forever and... oh my god yes can you do fan art that looks like the craft yeah. <laughs> oh man that'd be so awesome. good i don't know listeners can you <laughs> yes make it so make it happen bye bye, bye guys
<laughs> we got so many more fan questions. Garrier asks, what aspects of role-playing do you find the most difficult? The hardest thing for me is keeping the continuity. Because sometimes, you know, Lefty alluded to not having time to listen to the previous episode. Uh, since I'm doing the sound effects for the episode, I do listen to them. So I'm a little bit more versed on a lot of that. But sometimes we'll have a long span of time in between episodes when we record. And so I think that's the hardest thing for me, at least, is to try and keep it in that continuity and try and keep it on that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think we probably can all relate to that. I feel I struggle with uh, sometimes visualizing everyone's physical relationships to each other because there have definitely mm. been times when I've been like, wait, but I thought I was standing there, which is why I did this thing. And oh, now I'm almost dead. Most of the time we're trying to do two things. One, get what we want. And two, trying not to die. Mm. But we all have vastly different opinions on how to do those things. And then mm -hmm. there's the fine line between having a realistic approach to self-preservation and being entertaining in a fantasy role-playing setting. Yes, that's hard. It's because you, 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 know, you can't really have that many arguments or discussions or et cetera because then it just drags the episode. So you just got to make a decision sometimes or just do something sometimes just to keep things going. But in, in a game, say we're confronted with a problem, planning sessions aren't necessarily entertaining, but sometimes we really need to put our heads together to survive. Yeah. But then everything's moving really quickly. And so we use a lot of editing in D&D, &D, but you'd be surprised how little is actually edited in terms of content. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you, usually you're hearing scenes more or less exactly as they happened. But like, say in a show like Ghostbusters Resurrection, Doug transforms entire scenes. You'd never know it, but he does a lot of tightening. And with Dungeons Doritos, we've always like left it raw. So we're always very conscious of accelerating the process and trying to make it sound and play out exactly as it was intended without the realism of necessarily having these important conversations about what we're doing. So mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a lot of intuition involved. Yeah, I mean, there's really not much cut. Most of it is verbal pauses and then maybe like a, a joke that doesn't land or... On the off chance, there is something that we do or a discussion that we have that is maybe like, say, for instance, if it's like four minutes long, the discussion is four minutes long, it might get cut down to three, you know, just because like someone is trailing off on a different direction that doesn't necessarily lead to uh, outcome in that decision making process. Just by chopping out that small section of it can sometimes tighten up that discussion. But that's really it in terms of editing. Most of it, I mean, really and truly, and a lot of people are surprised by this, but really and truly, we don't have a script. We're just sitting around playing a game, you know? I, I, so. guess, I guess what I'm getting at is all my challenges with role-playing <laughs> appear to be challenges with the improvised audio experience that we're engineering, not with role-playing itself. Right. Because like then my other problem is juggling multiple characters, which is something I can do, but I don't like to do it, which is why I told Rule, look... I don't want to have to worry about having a scene where Black Pepper Jack and Jamela are in the same room together. No one else is there and they have to talk to one another. Oh, that was so good, though. That was so good. <laughs> I loved having Black Pepper Jack around. It was so much fun. It was. And I really yeah. regret telling Rule, look, do whatever you can and just reduce how much he's around. Because then he, instead he just took him off the playing field and we don't know where he is. Right. Honestly, I think that that was the best choice. But the Barty Jack, the Lefty Jack dynamic, the I mean, like that. Basically, the humans and Jack dynamic were really fun. Yeah. <laughs> the Jamella and Jack dynamic was virtually non-existent by design. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought I was going to get a subplot out of that one. 
Yeah, you did. Yeah, you, you might still. Who knows? Like, we really don't know. <laughs> All the real challenges in D and D are just challenges because they're challenges to me in real life. Like every time I'm like, I have a crush on a character. I don't know how to flirt or talk to other humans that I find attractive. So that's like what you hear when we play the game. Like you're in a room with Black Pepper Jack. What do you do? I don't know. Hit him. Like, like, I bet if I stomped on his balls, he'd like me more. <laughs> Basically, so you never grew to out of with Lefty. Yeah, you never like grew out of like elementary school. I think it's more just that I'm like I have a feeling right now when I'm panicking. I need to get out of this. <laughs> um, Gary, your other question is: Do you ever find yourselves expanding your comfort zones through role playing? If you listen to like maybe the third year of my playing. Lefty's character might have seemed a little inconsistent and like kind of crazy. And I was going through a really hard time personally. I was in an emotionally abusive relationship and all this shit was going down. And like having Lefty to play as was a large thing that like got me through both being in and getting out of the relationship. And it definitely by playing the character helped me work out some like me shit. Wow. Mm. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh God. I was such, I was such a mess during that period. <laughs> I, like, like I would do crazy shit and luckily it was entertaining. So like you guys didn't seem to mind, but I was all over the place. <laughs> do you remember what we were, was that before or after you like took that small little break? Probably around that time. Cause that was part of the reason I had to take the break was cause I wasn't allowed to do anything that wasn't the guy I was dating. Oh, uh, fun. Glad you're I'm out of terrible. that. Yep, me too. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> with me, like as far as expanding comfort zones, with vocal work, I had no idea what I was capable of until I started trying. Um, mm. I wasn't an actor. I wasn't a person who did voices. That wasn't my background at all. But then we, you know, we did the the joke of, hey, what if we just did a podcast that was tabletop role playing, and it became a totally trial by fire thing because you have to be a storyteller and an actor simultaneously and do it in a body and world that's not your own and I was a little nervous about it at first like I was trying out Jamela's voice in the car trying to figure out what that sounded like and it was this really like I mean you go it's like the first three episodes of Jamela's like when you watch the first few episodes of the Simpsons and was it Dan Castanella I think like oh as for for yeah he has Mm -hmm. not figured out her voice at all Yeah. yeah I raise my hands to the sunlight and feel it Coil inside my scale fingertips, and then I push my arms forward, attempting a sun strike to attack this little radish kobold standing next in line beyond the fence. And I roll. It's so dramatic. <laughs> I love it. But then it, it started coming really naturally, and looking back on it, like Jamela's voice is now in a really consistent place that's different from how it was. Mm-hmm. And like at first, I couldn't sing in her voice at all, and now I can, which is really weird. Hit it, boys. Crunchmas without you, my heart snapped right in two. Like Doritos with no dew. I'm just surprised how it came together. So, I mean, that comfort zone was expanded just in, in like when I learned how much I'm, I was capable of. But how about you, Colin? You got any uh, expansions? Not necessarily. I think a lot of it is, I mean, like, Barty came from a lot of things that I know. And because I'd never played any kind of tabletop role-playing before, ever, when I first 
created him or started him, I had no idea what this was or what to do (laughs) or how to do anything. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I had an idea of like, you know, I've played RPGs like video games and all that kind of stuff. So I know like this sword gives you this and this thing does that, you know, like that a general rudimentary understanding of stuff. But the simple act of tabletop itself was kind of pushing boundaries a little bit in that way, I guess. But it was definitely like horizon broadening for me. And I'm super thankful for it. Like I really I'm really I've had such a great time as Barty and with this party. I know that I'm always going to have a great experience and feel great after I play. Yeah. um, Or while I'm playing. Yeah, even even when we're going through miserable stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean like I try to at least feel what he would be feeling, and I I do. I mean like when I cut the line on Bogo, like when I cut that line, like after we got off, I was really upset. Like I was really upset. Like that whole rest of the day, I was very down and upset because I thought that I had like let the party down or that I had let him down or like, you know, whatever. And I was like, what am we going to do to come from this? And how does Doug feel? You know what I mean? So like, I try to put like, you know, in in opposition to you, I try to put as much of myself into the character as I can. Well, I mean, I I put the energy in, but not me as a person, I I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, though. Like, it's like I, too, had not done any role playing before Dungeons and Doritos. And it's been it's been amazing. And like Lefty and all of us, we wouldn't have what we have, this beautiful thing that we have without without this so this is i mean dorito eating aside like i just wanted an excuse to hang out with you guys again because it fucking sucks yeah yeah i miss you guys we just got to get real for a moment right here yeah delphi has a question for us hello doritodonians hello delphi hello delphi (laughs) hi delphi oh oh (laughs) (laughs) she says i've got two related questions number one For the players whose characters were originally created within Sagas, that's you guys, given that Sagas is a classless system, what class do you think they would be if they were converted to another RPG system? It can be any edition of Dungeons & Dragons or any other systems you may be familiar with, including video games with class systems if you don't know any other tabletop systems, and multi-classing is allowed. I mean... He's a gleeman, but that's I would say he's of the rogue. You're a fucking class. rogue if I've ever smelled one, man. I mean, like he's <laughs> of the rogue class. Like that's totally what he is. He's a, he's definitely a rogue. I mean, mine is probably closest actually out of all of the characters, the most very easily fittable in a box, you know, like of that rogue check box. Maybe besides like Dean or like a Relatrix or Izzy or something like that that kind of came from D&D. You guys are probably the more difficult. I mean, not if whatever it is has a swashbuckler class, then we got Lefty all figured out, but Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I, I haven't I don't know. I don't know where that class exists. It probably does somewhere, but what do you think, Lefty? I'm actually looking it up on Wikipedia right now to try to figure out where I fit in. <laughs> see what all of my options are. I mean, I'm definitely a fighter. Right. right. See, I feel like the thing that's slowly being and been exposed about Lefty over the last few years is that pirate was always kind of in quotation marks. <laughs> so I can't go with like, you know, Ranger. I'm not really skilled enough. What about you, Cap? I'm part two of Delphi's question. In the case of the original World Enders, same idea, but specifically what classes do you think they would be if they were converted to the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, given the classes of Invoker, Shaman, and Warden don't currently exist in that system? 
Since Cap is the only member of the original group around to comment, everyone's allowed to speculate. However, I have done some homework. Delphi concludes by saying, we all miss you guys during your hiatus and hope great things out of Nerdy Show in the future. Obviously, she didn't mention Warlock. Warlock's still there. Warlock's never go out of style. Whatever, Jennifer, you're so fucking cool. Fuck you. Oh, Jennifer. <laughs> I miss him. I miss Jennifer so much. <laughs> you guys, Man, were, you we guys were turned into some... real pals, didn't you? We were having some good times. <laughs> we were having some good times. Basically, anybody who had like kind of like some shades of gray... <laughs> Barty went Barty and that person were hanging out. You know what I mean? Or like completely and totally like deeper shades of gray. Or like completely totally <laughs> like, like like maybe white. like fifty shades like, darker? Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, like like how like Chair would be more, you know, he was more like acting on instinct and Bogo was just like a child. So like I but man, that was that was good times. Bogo was great. Well and, and hopefully is still good times, but we have no fucking clue. Yeah. We're going to have to have a conversation whenever we get the opportunity to be like, all right, we're recording again. Is like Doug's going to be like, am I recording again? (laughs) (laughs) So with Jamela, at first I thought sorcerer because, you know, that moniker, it comes with a certain flashy mystery and you have to choose between two sorceress origins, draconic bloodline and wild magic. So if you do draconic bloodline sorcery, that means you've got draconic magic in your blood obviously. So Mm. you've got traits of a particular dragon type. Um, Mm. And I'd heard from a friend that the dragonborn race are fucking nerfed in 5th edition right now and that characters of any species with draconic bloodline are better equipped with dragon powers than someone who is literally a dragon. Mm. (laughs) Wow. That's some bullshit. Yeah. Um, That's why I play Saga's RPG. (laughs) (laughs) But then I looked at Wizard. Because there's sorcerer and wizard. And dragon powers aside, that might actually be a better fit for Jamela's overall power set and style. Because then you get to choose an arcane tradition from eight schools of magic, among which is evocation. Not invocation, evocation. But I'm really hard-pressed to tell you what the difference between those is. (laughs) Aside from that they're called evokers, and their emphasis is harnessing the powers of the elements. That's what Jamela does. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's weird thinking of her calling herself a wizard, you know, like, because that's Galadab's deal. Right. And she doesn't want any of that. Stay clear of that shit. But if it's allowed, maybe she could be called a sorcerer or a wizarder. A wizarder. And she could be a draconic invoker instead of a dragonborn invoker. You know, I don't know, whatever. Provided, of course, that you can multiclass in 5th edition, which I'm not actually sure you can. And if multiclassing is permitted, then you can also do that for VMAC who would be a druid and a ranger. Druid, uh-huh. because to my untrained eye, it appears to be the kind of magic that VMAC usually does. And ranger, because I wasn't sure that a druid would account for wolf bear and VMAC's other survival skills. Uh, and then, there and then, you go. And then chair. Barbarian seems like, okay, that's pretty obvious. Except that when you do barbarian, there's three archetypal paths in 5th edition. There's two that come directly from the primary 5th edition, berserker and the totem warrior. And they're not awesome fits, the Berserker is a rage-based thing, and Totem Warrior pairs the character with an animal that they can pull attributes from. But the third one is Battle Rager, which comes from the Swords of the Coast Adventurer's Guide, and it's an archetype exclusive to the dwarves of the Forgotten Realms. So there you go. It's dwarf-exclusive, so that's pretty cool, but it's really super specific. It allows you to wear spiked armor and use it as another weapon. 
Uh, like you can like ah. jump into people. Right. So like, okay, so the first stuff sounds like, sure, that could be chair, but it involves wearing clothes. So that doesn't, that's not chair at all. That sounds like my jam. <laughs> but you have to be a dwarf. I can use my clothes as a weapon. Oh. <laughs> but it's Saga, so we can do whatever we want. Yeah. I want to um, weaponize my clothing. <laughs> I don't know how easy it is in 5th edition to stray from the guidelines without breaking the game mechanics. But there's, there's something to be said for that Battle Rager thing. But if, and only if, we can modify it to be the opposite so it buffs you when you're naked and hinders you when you're in armor for chair. Mm-hmm. However, Totem Warrior would be amazing for chair if instead of an animal, your totem could be a chair or maybe just wood. Because then that theoretically totally works for that form of the Willow Sentinel thing that he used to be able to do. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez, form of the fucking Willow Sentinel. When shit got bad, <laughs> yeah. you knew that it was when he would turn into a fucking chair. His chair about to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have any breakthroughs, Lefty? No. It seems like fighter. Lefty's kind of a basic bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to smash, and mm-hmm. I don't understand my feelings. Well, and you're hey. re- and you're really good at smashing. I am. Real, I'm you are really good, good at smashing. smashing. <laughs> I smash with a plum. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes a sword. Heyo. And some oh! and sometimes a sour plum Dorito. Yes. Sometimes. Mm. Oh man, those were weird. <laughs> Genki Mistress has two questions. Her first question: Your character has just stepped into our realm, as in Earth. Where okay. do you take them, and what do you do together? Uh, like all of us at the together. Side pavilion with Jamela, obviously. <laughs> We're gonna recreate that scene in the Tom Petty free falling video <laughs> on the escalator in the mall. We're gonna reenact Clueless as much as possible, running around Beverly Hills. <laughs> if Lefty and Jamela and Cap and Lefty, <laughs> if we can all be in the same space for this little experiment, things will go really well. But I really, really worry about if it's just one day Jamela shows up and I'm the only responsible person in the vicinity. Because, <laughs> like, here's the thing. This is a fascinating question. But, like, being around Jamela would be dangerous as hell. I'd like to... It would be odd. I mean, she talks to herself all the time. I mean, jeez. <laughs> canon. Not canon. <laughs> like... I'd like to think it wouldn't be too different from any old pal coming to town, but like I know her, she probably don't know me. And like, you know, maybe we could eat some cool food and hang out in some neat places, but like if we could do Lefty and Jamela's relaxation and debauchery weekends, like, oh cool. yeah, that would be the greatest of all time. We'd go to a mud spa. Oh yeah. We we'd watch Sex in the City. <laughs> I think television would be a big thing for Barty too. Television and I mean, that's a great. <laughs> if they're gonna yeah. be trouble, that's certainly a great way to like pacify them. You just turn that on. And yeah. Like, what the yep. fuck is this shit? But like, it's like yep. those crystal balls. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I feel like having them in this world though would be a countdown to the police showing up. And like with Jamela, not even because it'd be a dragon woman walking around. Because I actually think these days people might not even flinch, provided that I could somehow dodge something setting on fire, exploding, or someone getting maimed. If that mm-hmm. were possible, first of all, I'd take Jamela to a grocery store and properly explain the Doritos situation here. So, <laughs> I think I think Jamala would do well down in, like, Key West. Sure, yeah, totally. I think she'd jam down in Key West. I think we'd all do really well down in Key West. <laughs> I think we'd do well in New Orleans, mostly because I think people would just assume we were other people. 
Like uh, no one would look twice. They'd just be like, oh, Mardi Gras, right. whatever. <laughs> right, right. Party, whatever, Tuesday, totally. whatever. Yep. No big mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, of course there's an alligator person in New Orleans. Yeah. I can tell you where I wouldn't take her. I would under no circumstances take her to Washington, D.C., Number one, it's a goddamn lizard person. <laughs> okay, that's <Yep>. number two. <laughs> yeah, the last thing she needs is to be assumed as a reptilian in Washington D.C. That's a bad move. It's happening. <laughs> but but number. Grab your peeps. <laughs> but she can't be trusted around the Museum of Natural History's gem collection. That's right out. <laughs> yeah, basically anywhere where there's valuables, Jamal is probably not. To be trusted. She did well in New Mexico. Because of the heat rocks? <laughs> because they're accustomed to lizard people there. <laughs> what about you, Colin? What are you and Barty doing? Uh, I think, I mean, like, I think that Barty would get into the, just the entertainment of everything. Because he's always looking to be entertained. Maybe he'd start developing a gambling problem or something in <laughs> Las Vegas. I was starting to think like, me, oh, you know, he likes the uh, New York. No, no, Las Vegas would totally be like up his alley of like all the lights and sounds and all the debauchery and all this i mean you know all the good stuff you know i feel like he'd be in atlantic city <laughs> oh, no, that's he'd be at, like the poor man's las vegas no you know, like, he would ditch me like way early though he'd just be like <laughs> I, he would find me way too boring and then he would go and hang out in las vegas or atlantic city as you say now nah, he would not be, nah vegas vegas baby why would he want to go to some lost Vegas? He doesn't want to go there. He wants to go to Atlantic City. That sounds like it's so much glitz and glamour, Atlantic City. <laughs> That's right. Lost Vegas sounds like some kind of like, I don't know, maze. He doesn't want to go to a maze. Yeah, and then I think that maybe he would get hooked in with the people at Burning Man, you know, <laughs> and just like just just disappear, <laughs> you know. He would just go out into the desert and disappear. How how would the werewolf element affect the mm. Las Vegas pursuits? Oh, well, that's the thing. Like, you were talking about how people walking around. I mean, like, you know, people walk around, you take pictures. But then hopefully you'll have that shit under control. I'm just saying. But, like, also, you know, going out to Burning Man, being a werewolf dude, like, that would fit right in. Until you kill somebody. <laughs> nah, it's relative control. Uh... You guys, you still got to roll for that, pal. <laughs> yes, you got to roll for wisdom. <laughs> and good luck having wisdom roll. after all those drinks. That's right. <laughs> and all the boobs. All the boobs. <laughs> so I want to take a moment here to remind you that Dungeons and Doritos is still brought to you by <laughs> listener support. Our new goal on Patreon, regardless of what's happening with us, is to hit $1,000 again. We were there briefly. And that will assure that we can actually have the ability to continue to pay for doing Dungeons and Doritos because... The- well, it's not just Dungeons and Doritos. It's the other RPG podcasts. While Dungeons and Doritos is on hiatus, you're still doing Cthulhu. So it's not like, yeah. you know... It has become a, mul- a multi-purpose going thing. somewhere. Yeah. But like, you know, yeah. if you're just here for Dungeons and Doritos, do it for Dungeons and Doritos. Not to mention the fact that on Patreon, you get hours and hours of bonus content for D&D and, and images and text and all kinds of other D&D specific stuff. And you can shop on Amazon through our Amazon links at nerdyshow.com slash Amazon. Anything you buy there, no matter what it is, could be diapers for you or for someone else, could be DVDs of cool movies, whatever, it'll give back to Nerdy Show. Like the craft. Like the craft. <laughs> you want to get that craft Blu-ray? Get that craft Blu-ray, but go to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon first. If you can't throw any money our way, 
We totally understand there are other ways you can support us. For example, rating and reviewing us on iTunes or Podchaser, a platform where, for example, you could type in role-playing podcasts and you could actually see some results. Unlike iTunes, which lumps everything in kind of weird arbitrary categories and not particularly great search engines. So with this, it's all user tagged and is built to develop out a system by which if you want to find something of a specific subject and don't have any expectations, you can have the whole podcast world cracked open for you. You can not only review series, but you can review specific episodes. For example, on our episode at Death's Door, Foz Entertainment said, why do you make me feel things, Dungeons and Doritos? Mm-hmm. Why do you play with my heartstrings and give cool stories and meaningful audio drama D&D play? Why? I love you. Don't ever stop doing what you're doing, even if you have to do side stories one day to fill gaps. Meanwhile, on the rating and reviewing for the series itself, Legirid Home says, Dungeons and Doritos is one of the best role-playing audio dramas on the whole internet. There are lots of laughs and tense moments to be had listening to this show. Doritos may be an odd pairing to put with D&D, but these folks sample some of the finest Doritos from across the world before the start of each episode. Have you heard of all the crazy types of Doritos from places like Japan and Israel? Didn't think so. Tune in for plenty of laughs, nail-biting moments, and a barrel of fun. Well, thanks. (laughs) Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now back to the questions. Genki Mistress had one more question. She asks, I'm curious to hear about any world building or character background stuff you guys have thought up but never talked about. Keep up the great work and I hope things turn around soon for Dungeons and Doritos. Lefty, we could talk about that, uh, that the, the Lefty's character arc relating to her backstory and Barty's transformation and ways to, like, use that. Remember, remember this discussion? Vaguely. See, we don't even know. Our adventures have been so not what was intended in terms of, like, the pacing and variety that we set out with intentions like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to Doritadin for a while. No, we don't know. Whenever it goes into delving into my past, I've recently identified that I kind of freeze up because I realized, like, when we started playing this, the whole reason I got invited to play was because you guys were at Corne Island and I was the queen of Corne Island. And, like, we didn't really delve too far into the potentially problematic elements of the (laughs) fact that we basically like I'm a blonde haired white lady and we were like, oh, yeah, she is part of a tribe and she's on this island. And 
lots of things and experiences I don't have as a person. And so I've, every time we come back around to trying to like plan something about backstory, I'm like, how do I get myself out of this pickle? Mm. You're a physical byproduct of the imperialism of a tyrannical pirate captain. True. But we we set up that he like raped my mother and there was like, I, I'm not sure what terminology we used if it was like, you know, the natives on the land or whatever. But there's there's a strong implication that I'm like, at very least biracial. Yeah. And not being that, you know, of course, when we started playing, I wasn't really thinking about anything. I was just like, Corny Island, Coney Island. Ha ha ha. Awesome. And then by the time I like pulled my head out of my ass, I was in too deep to like <laughs> do something about that backstory. So I always feel a little like deer in the headlight seat when I'm like, I need to figure out a backstory that's not appropriating cultures or horrible. So when we talk about the like spinoffs and like going back to Corne Island, I'm always like, yeah, let's totally. I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> It is tough, but you know, you're not you're not biracial in reality, but it's not really about race, it's more about culture. So it's a right. fictional culture. I feel, I feel like there's definitely a way to go back there, but I need to like it has to be really cleverly done because what it needs to be is like a commentary on cultures that are raped and pillaged, you know, right, without yeah. trying to say that it's my story. Like, I know there's something in there, and when I land on it, it's going to be goddamn brilliant. But up until that point, I'm like, uh... It's very tricky to not just fall back on tropes that, especially with a game like D&D. Like, we've been hearing for our whole lives, like, people boil down to, like, stereotypes of themselves, because that's just how you play games. And so to not just go and let it be this, like, easy thing... I feel like we need to really like flesh out who the people of Cornet Island are. Yeah. There's always the sort of the big thing of like, shouldn't Lefty return there? Same as shouldn't Jamela return to the steam tunnels? Because we know at some point some shit's going to go down because we went to the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what we were talking about specifically was having Barty become a werewolf was such an unexpected expansion of his character. And we had a conversation about, like, what would we do for Lefty? What could expand Lefty's character? And we're like, well, surely you had some kind of wilderness survival things. Like, and, and we eventually settled on this idea of Beastmaster Lefty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you remember right. this now? Yes, <laughs> yes. Like, I definitely feel like we could go back. I mean, obviously, someone raised me on that island and trained me and would be happy to see if I came back, you know. And to maybe even go back with the specific intent of, like, this is a thing that my tribe did that was like almost a lost art and i want to see if i can get back to it so that we can have some control over barty <laughs> provided oh, of course that barty doesn't <laughs> it's a mindless beast that needs to be tamed well i mean you said it <laughs> for your own wins <laughs> <laughs> to answer the question though in terms of barty's character there is one thing that we haven't gotten into everything else we've gotten into on the show but one thing we haven't yet but that's like uh, one of the like maybe two or three threads that we've talked about in terms of like overall story. And that's the only thing that I'm in on. But if we pick back up again, it would be a spoiler to talk about. So, yeah, there's some stuff for Jamela. And it's like it's not it's only a spoiler if someday I get to do Jamela spinoff comics. And like I might as well address the comics now. We're planning to do this four issue comic series. The first issue was written by Mike. And then I've written portions of issue two but we've had a, we've had a lot of problems like there's the 12 page chair comic that shows his final battle with galadriel and we had an artist attached to that 
who was going to do it. He was going to do it for free out of like love for Mike. And then he yanked me around and ended up not doing it. We had another person who was interested who didn't act on it at all. And then eventually just got around to like, hey, maybe Tony should do it. But Tony, if you're following Lightning Dogs, is doing quite a bit. So that's impossible. So I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to me doing it, which is really bad. <laughs> but then for the D&D miniseries comics, Tony's still illustrating them. There's a couple pages that no one's seen yet of, of issue two. And it's kind of been this balance of like, hey, man, you start drawing it again. I'll start writing it again because I have all of issue two plotted down to as far as what's going to happen on every single page. And I've got rough outlines of issues three and four in a sliding scale of detailed to not. That's where all the, the hidden backstory of D&D is, mostly, including some really great stuff for Jennifer. And I kind of I don't want to get into this because I want them to stay special. But at the same time, it's been like five years and nothing's come of it. So I feel terrible about it. One thing I know for sure is that when it does come back, it's going to be as a free webcomic. And then we're going to produce a limited number of physical copies for just, you know, for people who like physical comic books. But, you know, at this point, we don't want them to hide. It's all, it all should be up there. And the same goes for the chair comic, limited physical run, but all online. But, I mean, Tony just bought a house. Tony's like, shit's getting complicated. <laughs> we're all in our 30s now. <laughs> we got to go where the money is. And the money is not in the D&D comics. Those are mostly just for fun. And they're very expensive and very time-consuming to do. So maybe I'll just write the scripts and publish them. I don't want to deny you guys these stories. And I want to tell these stories. So we'll figure it out. But for the meantime, they're not like game-changing stuff. They're just fun anecdotes about the crew. But when Mike was doing issue two, he was like, all right, so all these issues are going to start with character details, like with their backstories, a little, just some, a few pages of childhood and stuff. And then we'll get into the overarching story, which is something that he and I hashed out and he was like, well, what's Jamel's backstory? And it was from him asking that question that you got all the details that ended up in the uh, Back to the Steam Tunnels episode. But there's way more than that. I handed Rule a mini-page document because <laughs> I, I got on a roll. Because like, the creation of like the Gleam Seekers and what all that means and a bunch of other details. And it was based on some notes that I had from the first session we did. I was like, all right, so what are Dragonborn? How do they work? Well, they live underground. There's the overarching dragon deity, but there's like patron dragons. So then I came up with the name Phallus the Tunneler, and then I wrote a bunch of shit. So here, here's, some, here's some of the shit. <laughs> Long ago, the war between the tiefling city of Baal Turoth and the dragonborn city Arkhosia between Bahamut and Tiamat created a great schism of power. And I think I probably ripped all of this from Wikipedia or something, up to a point. As Arkhosia fell, Tiamat entrusted Phallus the Tunneler to protect one of her most sacred places of power, the Chroma Cervixia. Phallus tunneled his followers deep beneath the ground and far away, below the Ironback Mountains, where the Chromosurvixia hides. It is a place of great power for Tiamat, an ancient temple carved into a grotto of glittering gems. In some ways, it's more like a gigantic artifact than a building, and the lines between what's been crafted and what's naturally occurring are hard to discern. To go there is to enter the very nadir of Tiamat and commune with her in a powerful way. It is beyond seeking an audience. The spiritual power of the place is overwhelming and dangerous. Phallus was entrusted by the goddess to hide it. And it's not to say that Tiamat wouldn't have wanted truly devout and faithful dragonborn pilgrims to enter and commune with her there. But Phallus is greedy. Though he knows himself to be too foul and despicable to be allowed to enter, he's concealed and nestled against the entrance for ages, keeping his community small and insular, letting the Chromosurvixia fade into seldom-spoken lore. The handful of brave seekers that have come to him he's tricked and eaten, no matter the purity of their intention. Phallus's dragonborn know little to nothing of the Great War, nothing of their rivalry with the tieflings, 
he has steered their culture into service for him alone under the graces of Tiamat. Oh, that's why that um, I forget her name got eaten at the end of that episode. Yeah, I forget which one of the Gleam Seekers it was, but yeah, like, and that was in the future. That hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so I have pages of notes here. Uh, that's all I'll read for now. We'll talk more about that sometime. But I don't know if you can see through my extremely veiled allegories here, but Phallus is a male patriarch type, and the Chromocervixia is the female power of the goddess Tiamat, which Phallus is making sure is suppressed. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, you're not subtle with his name. No. So yeah, Jamela, Jamela's got an interesting backstory. Makes sense. There you go. Dizdon sends out well wishes to Rule and his dad and asks us these questions. When you added Barty and left to the party, were there other nerdy show personnel or friends who you also considered to add? And did you have characters for them? And uh, this actually, this question is actually kind of similar to something Jameson Lalone asked. He said, any other crew members plan on doing a cameo or is it just a logistical nightmare? Good questions. We have answers. Around the same time that Barty and Lefty came in, as soon as... We had the episode with the bird flute. I was like, Brandon's got to be in this show. Brandon's got to have the bird flute. This has to happen. He Maybe he's a one-off villain. I don't know. But we need to give Brandon this artifact that lets him control birds. That's perfect. At the time, Brandon hadn't done any role-playing, and he needed a lot of cajoling. And then when it finally came back, our story was wrapping up in such a way so that we could incorporate a character, a new character like that. And then Hex threw the fucking bird flute in the Man in Black's chamber... And we can never do that character ever again. Thanks, Hex. Oh, that's why you were that upset about that. Yep. Like, you in character were really upset that he threw the flute in there. Like, because you were like, why? We could use that. Yeah. Oh, yep. interesting. <laughs> I'm sure there's something we could do to do that same thing. But it would feel weird. I want the bird flute to stay special. But like we talked about with the, the Dorita and Ark being... Episodic, yeah. Yeah. We also had this intention of bringing in side characters, especially you know, when Hex left, we thought, okay, well, we'll have people come in for one-offs. So Bogo was supposed to be a one-off, but we ended up staying at that encampment for so long and Doug was ready to come back. They were like, well, fuck it. Why not? It's fun. Bogo's fun. But originally, we had a totally different character in place, a different barbarian character. Josh LaForge from Ghostbusters was going to play a barbarian character. He didn't have a name yet, and he had a character that's brilliant, and maybe we'll be able to use it at some point. I don't know. You might have noticed that we called, like, instead of Odin, they were referred to Broden. And there's this whole thing about, like, the, the shapeshifters and their gym that they operate. LaForge's the guy who does, he does some muscle building. And he found a Reddit thread called Swole Acceptance. <laughs> which of course. Is, an, is an entire subculture dedicated to the worship of Broden. Oh, and, no. And fending off the fiendish Brokey who wants you to not have swole gains. Oh, and no. it's, it's amazing. Like, it's these people who are, they're actual, like, bodybuilders who go on Reddit and type in, like, Asgardian languages, but with these weird bro jokes in them. It's amazing. So that was going to be a whole culture, and Josh was going to be at the epicenter of it, but he has, his character that he was going to play had lifted everything but the spirits of others. <laughs> so he was going to be some kind of buffer character that like was super strong, but that wasn't what his focus was. He was in training for like for lifting people's spirits instead of, you know, uh, heavy weights. That's really funny. <laughs> you didn't know that? I did not know that. I did not know that at all. I thought that was just like, you know, a thing. Oh, man, that's so good. Yeah. Thank you for that, Josh. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I really, but like if we leave. Those are some good, good parts of those episodes was, was in the gym. That's great. If we leave the Northland, 
will we ever tell that story? I don't know. I don't, maybe, maybe. Probably not. Yeah, who um, knows? And uh, we have a couple other characters, a few other characters, and just in case they happen, because we still want to do these one-off characters. I won't say much, but like Jared from Flame On was going to play the Saga's RPG version of what a Mind Flayer might be. Trench was going to play a Paladin-type character who has a really good joke that I'm not going to bring up. And Boar wants to play a Cobbler named Reebok. Oh, God. See, that's my, I mean, like when I came on, like I was just in town and you, you we were, I was hanging out with you, Cap, and then you were like, hey, we're going to go record D&D. Do you want to come? And I was like, okay. And then Barty was going to be just like an NPC. Like he was just going to be a, just like a, like when I first showed up, it was like getting them to the ship and like getting them away from people. After that episode, I think you and Rule and Mike were like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, okay. And so... That was that. But that was like in the comic shop when they were recording in the back of a, a, a comic shop. Yeah. So. And Lefty was going to be a one-off, but no, we couldn't have that. Too yep. much fun. Too Yay! much fun. <laughs> I got more from Dizdon. Now that Barty is a werewolf, will mm. you finally stop giving him crap about being terrible at everything? Or will you only do it when he's not wolfed out? Mm. I mean, what, do, what do you think, Lefty? Will we still give him crap? Uh, Obviously. <laughs> I mean, if you stop being terrible at everything, that's I mean, listen, that's on you, man. <laughs> listen, he only critically fails, and I do not influence the roles, but he only critically fails when it is the most, like, the best, like, comic relief to critically fail. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't, I'm like, he doesn't suck. He's great. He <laughs> succeeds at all things he, he tries to do. He moves the story along. <laughs> <laughs> That's sure. Nice. Yeah, he moves it <laughs> in, in Time one way or another. When Barty is around, that's right. In linear fashion. <laughs> we got a question for Jamela. Jamela, do you still miss Jennifer? I know I do. Uh, hey, uh, you miss him so much, you can have him if you can find him. I mean, I'll admit I was maybe a bit infatuated, but that's magma down the vent, pal. I have moved on. Why pine over some sourpuss tiefling when the, the world is full of opportunities? And yeah, Jennifer might have some kind of interesting double dong thing going on, but that is easily remedied if you get my meaning. <laughs> but a short answer, fuck that jerk. <laughs> he is a crumb bum to the end and yep. ditched us the first chance he got. Hope he gets eaten by an owlbear. Tizdan's final question. Galdap. Are you enjoying your vacation? <laughs> or are you still salty that there's going to be more since the party didn't die? P.S. If the party dies, I'm sure you'll be narrating another party anyway, so you are stuck here forever. <clears throat> nobody likes a smart Alec, Mr. Bates. And nobody likes circus peanuts either. Which is precisely why I wouldn't even bother using my arcane and various magics to transmogrify you into one of those detestable confections. It wouldn't make much difference. I'll have you know that cool guy Galdap is pining for the fjords. <laughs> you see, necessity is the mother of invention, and I've fashioned my toenail trimmings into tiny knives. <laughs> <laughs> and I've cut up my arms to get some blood runes going and blammo conjuration Hello, I'm also Galdap. Galdap with no skin. Meet Galdap. Yep, meet Galdap. 
I'm lighthearted from the blood loss, but dig this. I just put on my shades of seeing, and I'm what you might call in a virtual reality. Oh, but, but, Galdap, you say, you can always see things, but, you see, while I'm enjoying a first-person perspective of skiing a black diamond, Meat Galdap is blowing on me and, and rustling my beard. Brr, so cold, so chilly, the wind, it's like I'm there! Galdap is doing just fine. Galdap, can I stop blowing? You can stop blowing when I say you stop blowing, and you'll keep oh blowing until you disintegrate in two hours. That wasn't part of the deal. There is no deal, you insolent pustule. I love how you said that you didn't like doing two characters, and then here we are. That's the same voice. And hold on. I confess that was scripted. I wrote that <laughs> ahead of time, which I typically don't do. If I could write out scenes between Black Pepper Jack and Jamela, they would be hot stuff, let me tell you, because yeah. she's going to be very protective of Lefty at this point. But G-Man117 says, when the gang first visits the Isle of Mages, there was a governing council of mages. When they get sent to a random time after defeating the man in black, you know where this is going, they encounter a man from the Isle of Mages, Palaver who claims there was a single person ruling over the aisle. I believe it was an emperor or empress. My empress. question is, did they get sent to a vastly different time? If so, how are people from Barty's past in that time? Or has there always been a ruler over the aisle who wasn't mentioned during the gang's first visit to the Isle of Mages? Time traveling is confusing, guys. Wow, that's very astute, friend. Yep, well... Depending on what happens with this flying ship, and if things go Jamela's way, then we'll go straight there and we'll solve that little mystery. But as I understand it, we are in a timeline that has only been altered by the removal of the man in black and mm -hmm. the shifting of ourselves from you know one door to another door and then back again. So there is a paradox in it in that we saw ourselves float away from Tole presumably everything we did happens. Will we find ourselves at the Isle of Mages immediately after that? I don't know. That's all folding, and maybe maybe the timeline has corrected itself to some degree. I would like to hope that, you know, since Lefty's with us, Lefty's not also still trapped on Corney Island, and that other things that we've done that were good for people are undone, but we don't know that. We can't really know that unless we would you know, go back there specifically. But whatever's happened here... Maybe it's a different time, but, but our understanding was based on Black Pepper Jack, his relationship with Barty and all that, that everything before Tole is what it was always. It's after that that's we don't know. Or, but then maybe if there's, if there's been this Empress this whole time, because you'll note that Jamela said there was no Empress. Yeah, she was uber confused. So a uh, couple final pieces of inquiry from Jamieson Lalone. Where do you guys want to see the campaign head next? Any unanswered questions you feel haven't been addressed? I mean, it's the whole fucking thing, dude. No. <laughs> like, I want to know what the relationship with Bogo is. Um, Barty wants to get his, you know, lycanthropy taken care of. He wants to woo the princess and win her hand. He wants to save the king and the, the kingdom from which, you know, from where she came from and his hometown. And, you know, that's what I would love to see get tied up in a nice little pretty bow. But yeah, knows? wouldn't we all? We, we really would. <laughs> Doritadin is like the biggest, you know, enigma of what's what the fuck happened there. We kind of know, but like it's 
so bad. And as to, you know, I already said, I want to go to the Isle of Mages again. I do. That's what's up for Jamela. And at some point, Jamela does want to go back to Fornix and attempt to set things right. But honestly, I don't know if, if even this show is the right venue for that story. And only because it's so complicated and rooted in a bunch of pages that I wrote. And we can always assume that maybe, it, you know, maybe she took care of business at some point, you know. Because if you wander into Fornix and are like, yo, Phallus the Tunneler is actually evil. And in 20 years, he's going to do this or however long it was. That's, no, that's not going to, that, that's like, Jamela would have to return to her hometown and manage to get the Gleam Seekers back together, which is hard in and of itself, and then start an insurgency of some kind and like lead a rebellion. That's not one. She, I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't want to do that, but the odds are against them. That entire society has been very indoctrinated towards their dragon lord. Yeah, I think that like in terms of the full season, I think that we have maybe five to seven episodes left in this book. And that's a guess. Um, that's 100%. That's a guess. a guess. Yeah, that's a guess. I mean, now that I'm reminded about the animal power <laughs> control party thing, I'm all about doing that. <laughs> I just really like messing with Barty because he's so bad at things. I usually win. It makes me feel good. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And then I get to do it with Jamala, who is my bestie, so that makes it even better. Really, like, there's just so many reasons why this that would be super fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to go to there. I also, as we have covered, I do miss Black Pepper Jack. There was going to be some serious bad moves. God, Marty would be so upset. And I really, I really wanted to see what was going to happen. But what I, what I was not prepared for was I was not prepared for how bad Lefty would be at it. Because there were a couple opportunities to like to do something, and it just and I was like, "What's going? Mixed signals here." <laughs> and now you understand yep. why I sit at home watching my stories and crushing on Abed from Community instead of dating real men. Well, he's coming back somehow because, like, ideally, if we're talking about like if we were actually composing this like an intelligent story and not just a flying by your seat of your pants role playing game. Ideally, this entire season has been very Barty focused, not by design, but like it just it is. And we got to do this whole Doritadin thing. But the Black Pepper Jack thread should also come back at that same point in time. That's a good story. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, there, there's no way there's going to be a final confortation between Barty and Black Pepper Jack. Like, there's <laughs> like, hey, you know what? There's we no know what, way Colin? there won't be. We said that last time and there wasn't. We had Ryan write a theme. We said, we said, Ryan, okay, so this is this thing's there's gonna be this big fight between Barty and Black Pepper Jack. The episode had not been recorded yet. We just assumed. Can you write this for us? And he said, Yeah, sure. So he did. Mm mm. Didn't happen. Yep. Well, we used it for other stuff. We did. But <laughs> Jameson also asks After the hiatus is over, any thought of a quick and dirty recap show to bring everyone up to date? On the summary of the various books and how we got to where we are. I imagine As long as Barty does not have to fucking tell the story, I'm down with it. Yeah. <laughs> we, well we've already we've already been down that road once. He says, I imagine Galdap would could have some fun with that. Like, there you go. Would could. I honestly like I'm not sure like I don't know. Right, how did how did you folks, the listeners, feel about the uh the recap episode? Because we took a simple idea. And me, almost exclusively, blew it out of proportion and made it into a two-part affair that I don't think is a good introduction for anybody. <laughs> so Yeah, it was like, hey, Colin, do this thing. Wait, what? Recap all of the, the books. Uh, okay. <laughs> I thought it'd be a fun experiment. And it was a fun experiment. It was a fun experiment. We all yeah. got together in a room decompressing from what would be what the... It was the second to last Nerdapalooza, right? And drank a bunch I mean, of drinks and, yeah. and shed some tears. And it was it was cool. 
but mm-hmm. it was maybe not good for what we hoped it would be for like say a new listener to like catch up and jump in no terrible idea not gonna happen i don't it was think a pain to edit too because i had to like pull things from different shows and like make it a clip show yeah i mean you did a great job my, my only regret is like, I made it too big and I made it too weird. I don't know. But hey, if, if you have a differing opinion, uh, it's ultimately you folks out in the world and what what you think that matters. So if you're like, no, that was great. Um, okay. I have no regrets then. One final question. Will a certain cockroach ever show up again? Hell, he's all, Billy Squire's always there. Yeah. See, that's, that's the, I think Jamieson might not have realized that Galdap's cockroach is Cher's cockroach. Cher never named the cockroach, but yeah, Galdap's cockroach is Cher's cockroach because that's the because that was the if you listen in at the end of the World Enders book, and Galdap is talking about uh, when he's breaking himself out of the out of the wood and all that kind of stuff. He you you see him find a cockroach, and the chair is chair because that was the last thing that was left, and that's ultimately what did in the man in black at least um and so when galdap finds that cockroach in that episode that is the same cockroach because it was on the chair yep good old foreskin cockroach so that's all the questions thank you so much to everybody for writing in there was some great stuff there one last thing we want to do something else while we're gone you may recall at the last D Q and a it was a video live stream and i debuted the jamella puppet and she answered questions and it was great and we said, okay, we're going to make this a video series. Well, we recorded some pilots that people who are on Patreon have been enjoying for well over a year at this point. The thing is, though, we recorded them in a facility that's a public library facility that you have to take, like, many hours of training to get access to. It's nothing we couldn't do ourselves, but they, um, I mean, they have, it's a nice studio setting, and they actually have a TV so I could see what I was doing. Because I totally underestimated how hard it is to make a puppet video look good. And, I mean, I'm... I'm a huge fan of Jim Henson's work. I know what they do. I knew the process of having a TV on the ground to like look and see what your performance looks like. I didn't realize how truly necessary it was. And I also didn't realize how fucking hard it is to hold a, a puppet up mm-hmm. and to operate a live hand puppet, which is what Jamela is, as opposed to like the one on a, you know with the stick at the same time. And uh, so we recorded these in a facility that we no longer have access to. They were fun. They were good. But producing video is just something we're not equipped for. Like on the one hand, maybe we should try harder but if we could do more video we would do more video it's been just difficult for nerdy show to have the resources and time to produce anything like that regularly so i think we've got like three jamella videos as of this episode's out they're all out we'll link to the month's episodes page they're out there they're pilots for it i still want to do more but being at the epicenter of nerdy show and all of its operations i'm the last person you want to take on an extra project that guarantees that something else won't come out um, one thing's for sure, the one thing that could help all this is having more resources available. So again, patreon.com slash nerdy show is where to go for all that. Colin Lefty, is there anything that people should know about? The Nerdlesque Festival is coming back in April. Someday I'm going to come out for that. That would be amazing. That'd be awesome. We'll link to Lefty's social feeds so you can keep abreast of announcements and events. My breasts. Yeah. <laughs> keep keep abreast of my breasts. Our breasts. <laughs> I'm on a roll tonight, you guys. You are. Nailing this podcast. Boom. That's right. I think I feel sick from eating all of those Doritos, though. Yeah, Doritos lunch is never a good idea. Oh, all the beefy Doritos. Uh. <laughs> it's been quite intense. I'm so thirsty right now. 
So I'm going to go get a drink of water and say goodbye to all of you. And we'll keep you folks posted on anything that's new with Dungeons and Doritos. And thank you, everybody, so much, so much for all the support. We know these hiatuses suck. And we are so excited to be back on a monthly schedule. You know, it is what it is. And everyone's been so understanding and, and wonderful and sending so many well wishes to Rule and his family. And he, he, he and I texted tonight and he, he says he misses all of us and he wishes he could be here. Yeah, but if he was, we would totally just do another episode. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. <laughs> rules like hey i'm coming to the q a we're like uh no you're not we're recording another episode (laughs) (laughs) what happens to pogo (laughs) we'll hopefully talk to you soon but in the meantime don't be hesitant to reach out you can keep asking us questions wherever you can you know wherever you want to talk to nerdy show we'll see you and so then we'll see you bye Oh, hi. I just stepped away for a drink of water. It just happened to take me uh, a year and several months to get it. Uh, who, who am I? Oh, I'm Cap. This is what I sound like now. There's uh, a lot <laughs> that's happened since we recorded the D&D Q&A, so permit me to pop in and provide an additional update. But first, another Dorito tasting. Nerdy Show's John Laval recently surprised me with some Japanese Doritos, the first I've had in my possession since the Q&A's recording. In this case, it's Doritos Hard, which I guess pertains to the, uh, the crunch of the chip, and it's Texas beefsteak flavor. So I couldn't resist, and I definitely didn't want to miss out an opportunity to, to, to share in this with you and, you know, further document our, our, our corn chip quest. So, uh... Mmm. You know, I was anticipating something along the lines of what we ate in the D&D Q&A, but this is different. It's, um, it's not as authentic a steak flavor. It is a meaty flavor. It is a, uh, a smoky sort of seared flavor. There's a little, bit of a, a little bit of spice to it. Certainly a lot of sweetness as per the Japanese Dorito style. I'd say this is um, surface level steak. Very good. Kind of like what if America's Taco Dorito was ever so slightly better. Beefy, spicy, yeah, spicy beef. It's a spicy beef flavor, and it doesn't go much deeper than that, but even still, it's appealing, and it's an even better version of what we know and love from the States. I'd love to get Colin and Lefty's opinion of it, but alas. Anyhow, what's new with us? Well, despite our best efforts, no new episodes of D&D have been recorded. (laughs) It's clearly a bad move for us to assume when or where that's going to happen save that our hearts are still very much in it, and as soon as we can record, we will. In the meantime, we've used the occasion of D&D being on hiatus to reprioritize our focus on audio dramas here at Nerdy Show. You love them, and we love them, so that's what we're going to do, first and foremost. Our biggest showing to that end is the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. It initially debuted as a miniseries in 2015, but it stayed so popular over the years that we've brought it back as a regular show. Every new season is a standalone series in an interconnected world of improvised audio drama and Lovecraftian lore. It's also the most complicated RPG audio drama we've ever made. If you want to hear what it's like when we take our craft to a whole new level, I'm talking actors, re-records, new scenes built into and building off of the improvised hijinks you know and love, you should check out Series 2 of the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program 
the terrible secret of Lot X. But if you're craving medieval fantasy role-playing, we've actually got a fix for that. A new series here on Nerdy Show called RPG from Scratch. It's part documentary, part actual play. The show is led by Josh LaForge from Ghostbusters Resurrection and also features Doug, a.k.a. Bogo, as they build their own role-playing system from the ground up. Some episodes go behind the scenes of that project, and every other episode is an installment of an actual play where they test their system. Their first long-form campaign is called Echoes of the Star Crypt, and following that, you'll hear both Doug and I in the forthcoming campaign, Agnes's Ashes. RPG from Scratch's world is super cool. It is medieval fantasy, but it's built on the ruins of our own world, where humans live alongside anthropomorphic animals, but none of the usual suspects. It's bug people, fish people, bird people, muslin people, and pig people, and they know next to nothing about what came before. You can find both the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program and RPG from Scratch on your favorite podcast players or at nerdyshow.com. As for my new voice, well, I'm a transgender woman. Considering my long career of being a lady dragon, I imagine this might not be too much of a surprise. In the D&D Q&A, Garrier asked a question about expanding comfort zones through role-playing. And I've got an expanded answer to that, which I didn't fully have the words for when we recorded this. But actually, while my experience playing Jamela no doubt laid an integral foundation to my eventual evolution, the real story comes from playing Estelle Thorpe in the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program. And that is a story for another time. But not too long, because following the conclusion of Series 2 of Cthulhu, we're having a Cthulhu Q&A. Listen for more details in the forthcoming episodes of that series and at facebook.com slash Cthulhu Mystery. As for D&D, you can chat with us on the Nerdy Show Discord or at facebook.com slash Dungeons and Doritos. We're still posting and socializing there, waiting for the call to return to Doritodonia. As always... Thanks for everything, folks. Thanks for joining us on a decade of intermittent adventures. Your encouragement and support means so much to us and most definitely changed our lives for the better. We'll be crunching and questing with you again. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.